before the season even started, I knew Duvall was going to be back on our team somehow, some way. I just knew it. Mike Trout might be one of the safest bets in history, to be honest. As soon as that happened, it's like Javante Davis turned a switch and he went into kill mode. And Terrence Crawford, um, there's an argument that he might be the most feared man in boxing right now. Not really seeing many names stepping up, calling him out. If the MLB doesn't do something about it soon, uh, we could potentially be looking at another, maybe like a mini steroid era scandal on the MLB. Welcome to the All Takes No Whiffs podcast. Here are your hosts, Christian and A. Hindi. Welcome back to another episode of All Takes No Whiffs podcast. We got another great episode lined up for this week. Um, we're going to kind of wait till the World Series is over to really give our full thoughts on the World Series. But we do have a little things we want to mention, especially with history being made yesterday with that no hitter. And then we're also going to be recapping uh, a lot of those fights that we talked about last weekend and then previewing Dimitri Bivol versus Gilberto Ramirez in the light heavyweight division. But before we get started, make sure y'all like, make sure y'all subscribe and make sure y'all turn on notifications to know when we post new content. Yeah, initially we had boxing. On on the mind at first, but you know some things happened last night. Got to give our thoughts on it. Let's get it. We are heading into Game Five of the World Series tonight. Series tied two two, and in Game Four, that was that was just a, a spectacle. I cannot believe what happened. Only the second time in World Series history a team has thrown a no hitter, and Houston honestly turned the tide like crazy. Things were looking really in. Philly's favor after game three but what a response from Houston and honestly my initial thoughts about this series are back my initial thoughts for this series have come back too um I was riding with Philly there for a little while after the first couple games but I mean Houston uh absolute dominant performance last night um Christian Javier uh this dude has been pitching lights out over the past month really um going all the way back to September um, he's only given up, uh, I saw something in the last 32 innings, he's only given up eight hits. Uh, that's crazy. Um, this dude is pitching lights out. His fastball is one of the most electric fastballs I've seen in the entire major leagues this year. He threw it 70 times last night out of 97 pitches, which is absolutely crazy nowadays because pitchers are usually fat or curveball, slider, changeup heavy. Um so this was just a really great performance. I really wish he could have gone at least one more inning. I thought Dusty Baker may put him out for one more, but this is the World Series, and you got to do what you got to do to win the game still. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it would have been amazing to see history in that sense that a pitcher, like a single pitcher, threw a no-hitter. But this is still – it's still an insane accomplishment in itself. So shout-out to Houston for that. But – before we wrap up this uh, quick stop, you know, I just had to say, I feel like Houston, I mentioned it earlier, Houston has turned the tide, and I don't know, I, I feel like they really showed the difference, like, in the two teams. Uh, honestly, I felt like game three was not a fluke. Uh, Philly, you know, they were the hotter team at the start, and they just rode that momentum. Uh, Houston, they, they – Houston was quiet after a couple of those home runs. But once Houston came through with a with a starting pitcher that was on his shit, honestly, it was it was over for Philly. And I just feel like that these next couple of games are about to play out similarly. Not 
to the point that Philly's going to get another no hitter or two thrown against them. But you know, it's not going to be a fun time. But I mean, it definitely is possible because the guy going tonight has thrown a few no hitters in his uh, career. Um, postseason has been a little different story for him, especially in the World Series. But uh, the guy we're talking about is Justin Verlander. Uh, this guy is one of the best pitchers of this generation. Mm-hmm. And he is pitching tonight for his uh, World Series reputation. Um, everything could go away um, from the past if he can just do a solid outing tonight. Um, it's, it's what I expect. It's what I want him to see. Justin Verlander has been one of my favorite pitchers to watch uh, since I can remember watching baseball. Um, I really would love to see him pitch a great game tonight. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to it. Game five is going to be a really, really good game. And this series may end up going seven. Yeah, Verlander on the mound for Houston. I'm kind of feeling bad for Philly, especially because they don't have the ideal uh, head-to-head matchup against Verlander. Noah Syndergaard, he's a guy, solid arm, um, not at his best anymore. And, you know, he's just not the most effective pitcher right now. So Verlander, he's, he's got the edge in that matchup. Let's just wait and see. Game five tonight, let's go. We're coming off a busy weekend of boxing, and to get things started, you had Delonte Tiger Johnson defeating Esteban Garcia. He did it by unanimous decision and did it by pretty dominant fashion. I think that's a very solid performance on the way up for somebody trying to build their name. Uh, Shout out Delonte Tiger Johnson. He did his thing, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's next for him. Yeah, I mean, this was a super dominant performance by Tiger Johnson. Um, this dude is legit. Um, he's pretty polished. Um, I really like what I'm seeing from him so far. Uh, Esteban Garcia was 15-0 and before this, uh, suffered his first loss. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what's next for Tiger Johnson. Um, looks like he's going to be a pretty good name to be watching out for here in the next few years. Definitely a solid way to uh, start off the card. And the next fight to discuss on this card... Uh, a pretty familiar name, you know, for good and bad reasons. I feel like the bad people people like to hate. Uh, it's a little justified, though, with how much they're milking it at times. Like, I, I'm in a weird position. I, I'm supporting him. But Nico Ali Walsh, he defeated Billy Wagner, uh, not the former legendary relief pitcher. I know I said this before, but eh, Nico Ali Walsh defeated him by unanimous decision. And... It took some effort this time to get this victory. It, it wasn't one of these uh, stoppages against somebody who, you know, just kind of looked like a punching bag. Even though Billy Wagner did take some shots, you know, he stuck through it. He was able to hear the last bell uh, signifying the end of the fight, you know. I'm not saying Nico Ali Walsh is a knockout artist, but his past couple of opponents weren't able to. So shout out Billy Wagner. Yeah, this was a pretty good fight for Nico Ali Walsh. Uh, he was tested a little bit. He got hit a little bit. Um, Billy Wagner uh, definitely uh, probably could have been knocked out if he had a little more power, uh, Ali Walsh. But uh, Wagner, he, he's a dog. Uh, this guy, he took some shots. Um, if this was one of the previous guys he had fought, uh, probably would have been a pretty easy KO. And that's why I kind of like this test for him because he had to find another way to win. Um, he has gone to points before. This is only the second time that he had knocked someone out. But I do like what I saw from him. Um, I would like to see another better step up in a, a fighter. Um, 
I'm still not too impressed with what I see, um, kind of like from these other guys, like Delonte Tiger Johnson, who look like just an all-around better boxer. But this was definitely a good showing for Nico Ali Walsh, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's uh, going to be doing the next few fights. Yeah, I feel that. Um, I'm not too impressed. Uh, I do get that he's kind of learning on the go-to. He did, you know, not having an extensive amateur uh, track record, but. Yeah, it, like I mentioned, it's just it's weird with Ali Walsh. I I I'm a huge fan of Muhammad Ali. Uh but it's like at the same time I feel like that doesn't mean like his grandson is is that guy as well. And at the same time though, I feel like people are overemphasizing that at the same time which you know, they shit on him just for being on a post. But at the same time when the post is talking about float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, like Ali was on that, not not Ali Walsh. Sorry to say. Yeah, and kind of going off of that, I mean, this guy got a late start to his boxing career too. Um, mm-hmm. He actually didn't want to be a boxer growing up. He didn't want to follow in his grandfather's footsteps, but um, I guess he found a passion for it at some point and is going for it. But uh, like Christian said, and like I said, uh, I would like to see this, like to see him face a little tougher opponents and to see. Him hit him get tested a little more. Uh, he did get tested this fight, got hit a little bit, and had to win a different way. Another guy that we wanted to mention on this card, who we feel like is a name that's up and coming, uh, you had Richard Torres Jr. He defeated Ahmed Hefney, and he stopped him in the third round. A solid showing, I guess you could say, for Richard Torres. But uh, I might be. This might be my bias speaking. Um, I'm not really. This hasn't really proved much to me, and I still feel certain ways about him, specifically in the heavyweight division. I'm, I'm not too fond of, you know, how his style translates. I don't know how things would translate if he were to take a step up in competition and really fight, you know, one of those top heavyweights. He's nowhere near that at the same time, though, so he's a work in progress. Um, as of right now, though, you know, solid showing. It's a nice early stoppage again. Yeah, Richard Torres Jr. is nowhere close to be topping these, fighting these top guys right now. Um, I do like what I see at times from him. Um, dude just dude has some raw power. Um, very very good power. Um, and you could tell in the fight that this guy on Med Hefney, he did not want to feel that at all. He was clinching most of the time. Um, it literally was a hugging match for the first two rounds, basically, until the ref said he's going to take a point away if he keeps clinching. Um, but, uh, Torres, I mean, his style of fighting right now is just so weird to me, to be honest. Um, he's not like one of those prototypical boxers who you just see, um, fighting in a typical stance. He's charging at you. He's trying to knock you out quick. Um, I mean, I kind of like it cause the fights do get over pretty quick for him, but I mean, he's not fighting many rounds right now, but I really want to see this guy actually box. Um, I want to see him in a regular stance. Uh, I just want to see him just box. I-, I love how aggressive he is and everything, but um, it- it's I don't think it's going to translate uh, very well against these top guys like Christian said earlier. Um, it'll be very interesting to see, and I hope one of the next guys he fights uh, gives him a little better showing because Ahmed Hefni did not want to fight him at all. Yeah, uh you, you definitely reminded me of this point I wanted to make about uh, Torres. 
it's it, with his style. Um, he's charging in. Uh, it, it's it seems a little too reckless to me. And my thing is not saying that he's got a, a glass chin, but the thing is, you can for sure say it's not an iron chin. He's been knocked out cold in the Olympics, and if you're taking, if you're going into the pro level after, and if you're going to reach those higher, like the highest level of pro boxing. Uh, guys are definitely going to be able to fold somebody like that. So charging into the guys with those capabilities, like imagine he's charging into, obviously I'm not going to say he's going to face somebody of this caliber in his career anytime soon or even ever. Imagine he's charging in like that on Deontay Wilder. Uh, oh, he's he's knocked out cold. <laughs> honestly, probably, probably, would be one of, probably would be one of Wilder's uh, most gruesome knockouts, to be honest with you. It, it just, it's, it looks like a, his style against a heavyweight like that just looks like a tailor-made uh, disaster. And even fighting someone who is borderline a prospecting kind of contender now, like Jared Anderson, someone against him too. Like I, I think they're levels apart from each other right now. Um, and Jared Anderson hasn't been pro for that long. Um, does have a pretty decent amount of fights under his belt. But if those two guys were to fight right now, I still think Jared Anderson would treat him like Deontay Wilder. And as wild as this sounds, um, I, I don't even think that comparison between the two is, is necessarily unfair. Um, I'm not too familiar with Jared Anderson's amateur uh, record, but I know I know Richard Torres has an extensive amateur record. Um, he spent a lot of time per, uh, trying to get his craft right in the amateurs. And even though he has less pro fights than Jared Anderson, I, I do think the experience level kind of matches up. Uh, Torres fought in the Olympics. Uh and Jared Anderson still early in his career as well. So, yeah, if, if we were to want to compare these two guys uh, based off their experience, levels, levels, there's it's just different. And I think style is a huge factor. Not just that. Uh, I think some of their phys- physical attributes, too. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I like this guy. I think he's mm-hmm. got a solid career ahead of him. Um, I just want to see him polish some things up. I want to see him box like a boxer instead of charging in and i think he could be pretty good um i haven't really looked into his amateur record or anything um i know he got knocked out cold but um i I think this guy can take some hits at sometimes too when it's gonna come time to it and he's gonna be a pretty pretty good heavyweight um like christian said earlier uh dude's kind of small for uh the heavyweight division but um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Richard Torres Jr. Uh, and to see where his career goes. Yeah, uh, like you said, uh, definitely got a solid career to look forward to. More so, in my opinion, that I think he's going to make a good amount of money in boxing. More so than, you know, have a, ever a long-lasting legacy or anything like that. But he's going to get the bag, so good for him. And he's definitely going to get the bag if he keeps fighting under main events like this. He had Vasily Lomachenko making his return to the ring against Jermaine Ortiz. Ended up winning by unanimous decision in an interesting bout, to be honest with you. Uh, things were not looking good for Lomachenko early on. Uh, he was kind of looking at like a shell of himself early on. He just wasn't active. Jermaine Ortiz, I felt like, was imposing his size on him, especially early on. Uh, the size difference was kind of alarming in this but you know Lomachenko after a few rounds had to turn on the switch and not to say he looked like vintage Lomachenko uh, but you know he did what he had to do and he got the dub and he looked solid doing it I would definitely say solid especially after the beginning of the fight 
Yeah, I was about to say, after the first three rounds, definitely, uh, he looked really good. Because those first three rounds, uh, Jermaine Ortiz came out on a mission. Uh, dude is a lot better than I gave credit to him for, and I think that a lot of people thought. Um, even the broadcasters before the fight even started, they were like, Jermaine Ortiz, this guy's no slouch. Uh, he's going to bring it to Lomachenko, and he definitely did. Like you said, the size advantage is definitely alarming, but... I think that's what Lomachenko was trying to figure out in the first couple rounds. Uh, he was trying to figure out that reach. He was trying to figure out the timing, and he was trying to figure out when he could land his punches. Uh, and once he finally figured that out, it in my eyes, it kind of really wasn't a fight. The 115, 113, I think that's uh, a round too low uh, for Lomachenko. The 116, 112, I think is about right. Uh, 117 may be the highest. Uh, but this was definitely a good test for Lomachenko. Um First fight in about, uh, I don't know how long, honestly, it's been, but uh, I'm glad to see him back in the ring. I'm glad to see him get a nice, solid uh, dub. And Jermaine Ortiz, this guy, uh, I, I can see him getting kind of not back into title contention, um, but into co title contention too. Um, I think he's going to get a pretty decent fight after this. And uh, he's a pretty good name in this class too, uh, or in this weight class. So, I mean, this weight class is just insane, to be honest. It really is, and what's dope is that, you know, you had Devin Haney stepping into the ring after, uh, potentially setting up a nice little match between him and Omachenko. I am ready for that if that ever happens. See, that's that's one of those fights that it's, like, it gets you really intrigued because we know about Haney's reputation for, you know, uh, some people think he's not the most entertaining fighter, but then people know Lomachenko as for being a guy who's known for his ability. Similarly to how Devin is, but the style of that ability, uh, it's a lot more entertaining, to be honest with you. So it's like, my thing is, I do think Lomachenko is a more entertaining fighter, but I also think that a fighter with the style of Lomachenko is going to bring more out of Haney. And this might be, I'm probably being a little too optimistic about this. Um, I think we're going to see a side of Devin Haney, though. We're going to see some dog in him in this matchup, potentially. I was just about to say that, actually. I was going to say Lomachenko is going to bring out the dog in Devin Haney. I mean, this is that's going to be one epic fight if it ever happens. I mean, this is power versus strategy right here. And it's it, Lomachenko got strategy, too. But, I mean, Devin Haney, we all know what he's known for. And... During uh before Lomachenko's fight, uh, in between fights, in between the co not the co-main event, but the fight before the main event, Devin Haney said that this is the fight that he actually I wouldn't say is most looking forward to, but that he wants to he wants to make this fight happen. He wants to make the big fights happen. He wants to fight all the big names. He's tired of all these boxers kind of throwing names out there, not saying they're going to be fighting each other, like kind of like Bud and Errol Spence been duck, ducking each other for a while now. But he wants this division. He wants all these big guys to fight each other. He wants Ryan to fight Tank. He wants to fight Lomachenko. All these guys, I want to see this happen, and I'm glad he said that because I'm tired of all these guys ducking from the biggest fights. And the one thing is, too, is these guys are going to get fucking paid for fighting each other. So just do it. <laughs> Go off, Alex. God damn. Uh, I appreciate the shots towards Spencer Crawford because that whole situation, that's got me pissed off. Uh, got me heated at boxing as a whole right now, to be honest with you. And, yeah, you hit it on the nose right there, to be honest. Uh, Devin Haney is on his shit. Uh, what's dope about Haney is that, you know, he's still got things that he wants to do at 135, but it's like 
painfully obvious that he needs to move up soon. And the thing that's dope is that there's big fights lined up for him there too. And as long as he wants it, he's going to be able to get it because he can call shots now. This man is undisputed at 135. I'm pretty sure that whenever you want a challenge for a title moving up to a weight class when you already have a title uh, in, a, in that sanctioning organization, I'm pretty sure you get like some solid uh, leeway, even a direct challenge at times if you want. So Haney, if he wants, um, soon after he has this challenge against Lomachenko, if he comes out victorious – or even if he doesn't, he can move up to 140, and there's other big names over there that he could fight. Another one being Tiafimo Lopez. That's another interesting fight I feel like needs to happen in boxing. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'd definitely love to see that. And I'm actually glad you brought up the division change for him because he this was brought up to him in that same uh, conversation I was talking about a second ago. He does want to move up to 140 eventually, but he also wants to fight these guys at 135. He wants to make that happen first. The thing is, is if he loses to Loma, I would expect him just to go up right away. Um, but if he wins, uh, I think he'll still stay down and fight someone like maybe Ryan Garcia or Tank, um, maybe even Shakur. But we'll, we'll have to see about all these um, fights. But I'm I'm so glad Lomachenko is back in the ring. Um kind of got off track talking about Devin Haney there for a oh, second good. but it's definitely well worth it because Loma that's the uh that's definitely the fight that we are looking forward for him next yeah it was dope to see Lomachenko return to the ring after a long layoff I know it hasn't been too long for her but Katie Taylor made her return to the ring and defeated Karen Elizabeth Carabajal by unanimous decision uh as expected to be honest with you um we said it last week this step up for Karen Elizabeth was it was like four flights of stairs. I don't expect many people to be able to take that step, but it things went uh, how, as expected. Uh, we thought Katie Taylor was going to get at her for a decision, and she did just that. She's not really known for her power, but her boxing ability, and she showed she showed why there's levels to it. Uh, she showed why even though you're 19 and 0, uh, that could be 19 and 0 full of fluff. That's the difference between a, a boxing legend like Katie Taylor and somebody, no disrespect, but a fluffed up record, to be honest with you. Yeah, and Katie Taylor came out from the beginning of this fight and just dominated. Um, wasn't really too much Karen Elizabeth could do. Um, and that's kind of what we talked about last week and what we said when we previewed this fight. Um, Katie Taylor proved why she is one of the best female boxers and just boxers in general in the world. Uh, she proved why she's the number two pound-for-pound pound female women's boxer right now. And um, to be honest, I don't really think there's that too many people out there who are going to be able to beat her right now. Um, she just looks absolutely dominant. Her defense and her technical boxing is just so good. Um, it's just another dominant performance for her. And the crowd was all into it for this fight. Let me tell you, they, they were chanting from the very beginning for this fight for her. And uh, it's her fights have some crazy energy and uh, it would be really cool to see her fight one day. I know it'd be super hard for us because she usually fights over in uh, the UK, but I mean, that was some crazy energy in that fight. Yeah. The UK definitely rides for their fighters. Uh, and Katie Taylor being uh, one of, if not the best fighter reputation wise, uh, she's got the, the cleanest record. Uh, no controversy, unlike Josh Taylor. Uh, he's looking to redeem that. But Katie Taylor, uh, one of the brightest names in UK boxing. So 
they're definitely gonna uh, they're gonna ride hard for her, and it's justified too. She's one of the best women's boxers ever, and uh, number two right now. And it's just dope to see her uh, making her comeback to the ring. And she did her thing. I wanted I want to see what's next for her. Honestly, I could not tell you off the top of my head who I think would be the best fight for her next, but um, maybe a name will pop up soon. All I'm going to say, though, is she is probably going to win that fight. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about that. But, uh, yeah, definitely good to see Katie Taylor get another good dub. Um, It's going to be very exciting to see where she goes next. Uh, Don't know who she's going to fight. Don't know who wants to fight her, to be honest. But, well, we're going to be finding out here probably soon. Um, But to move on to one of these next fights, uh, William Zapata fought Jojo Diaz, and this was a very, very interesting, I wouldn't say interesting fight, but William Zapata uh, defeated Jojo Diaz by unanimous decision, absolutely dominated this fight. Um, And this is kind of what me and Christian predicted. Again, um, Jojo Diaz, uh, first, I think, what, two rounds, barely threw any punches. Um, I think he was trying to get Zapata to tire out throughout this fight. He did tire out around the eighth round, but in the eighth round, in my eyes, it was seven to one or six to one already in uh, Zapata's favor. So it wasn't looking very too good. The only round Jojo Diaz really won in my eyes was round six. Um, He landed some nice punches. He actually buckled Zapata at one point with a right hand. Um, But that just shows you that dude's got some pillow hands. if it was anyone else, could have knocked him out because Zapata uh, showed that he does not have a glass chin, but he is kind of vulnerable to some of those hits. And I was kind of excited to see Zapata uh, and what he did. This dude, he is he is fun to watch. Now, we talked about the Jojo Diaz-Devin Haney fight and how boring it was. William Zapata, he brought this and made this an entertaining fight from the very beginning. This dude throws Lots of punches. He throws them in furies too, and he's got some really, really good power. But he couldn't knock down. He couldn't. He couldn't finish Jojo Diaz, which gives a lot of respect to Jojo Diaz too. I'll give him that. Honestly, talking about respect to Jojo Diaz, I respect that he steps in the ring. <laughs> That's what I will say. But no, it's it's nice to see uh, a nice performance from William Zapata. Uh, it's a good point you mentioned. Uh, I just think that goes to show, though, that styles make fights. Um, take a cautionary uh, uh, boxing type like uh, Devin Haney and put him up against mid like Jojo Diaz. That's going to be boring. But then you take a guy like Zapata, who definitely uh, brings it a little more, and put him in the ring with some mid, and it makes it a little more entertaining. But at the end of the day, it takes two to tango. Uh Jojo Diaz is some mid. I'm sorry. Uh just it's not like it's not like a, anything personal against Jojo Diaz. I don't think anything wrong about him as a person. It's just his boxing. It, he just kind of reminds me of Richard Torres. If I'm not gonna be honest with you, I just feel like he's got a physical disadvantage compared to his opponents most of the time. And the only difference is he don't got pop like Richard Torres. No, yeah, you're spot on with that, too. And Zapata looked a lot bigger than him, too. Um, Zapata is very big for his weight class, too. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, like we talked about him, moving up to 142. Um, 
he looked really big. But the thing is, is he's really quick for how big he is. And it's really nice to see too. But the one thing I am kind of worried about with him is like I said earlier, is he can, he will get hit and it's going to affect him a little bit. Um, he, he took a good body shot, uh, didn't really affect him. But like I said, that right hand that buckled him, it wasn't too much power. And we're talking about Jojo Diaz, too. <laughs> so, I mean, it, 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 it's not that much powerful of a punch, but uh, it did buckle him a bit. And uh, so some of those guys like Shakur, uh, he's got some pretty good pop. Uh, I mean, Haney, when he lands one, it's pretty good, too. Uh, we know about Ryan Garcia and Tank um, and Lomachenko, too, so. I mean, add this guy to that mix right there. I mean, we, we got some pretty good fights lined up here in the future. Williams of Pate is now 27-0 and 0 with 23 knockouts. So pretty good, pretty damn good record to start out his career. All right. Now that we're through the serious boxing events uh, this past weekend, uh, time for the Jake Paul fight. Yeah, Jake Paul. He defeated Anderson Silva by unanimous decision. Um. I don't really have too many thoughts. Uh, one thought I do have, though, is the knockdown. It looked a little uh, little weird initially, but it makes sense since it was sort of like a flash knockdown. Uh, it didn't seem like he squared up too crazy. Like, you know, you know, when somebody gets knocked down in MMA, but it's not taken serious because like the whole ground game is involved. It, it just yeah. felt like something like that. Like they like just got like pushed to the ground almost. And then, you know, things played out. Silver got the bag. Jake Paul got a another win against an MMA fighter. Where's the boxer at, Jake? <laughs> Not exactly, and that's kind of my point that I want to bring up. Um, I'm tired of seeing you fight these celebrities. I'm tired of you fighting all of these MMA fighters. Let's let's get in the ring with a real boxer. I know that there's been two chances with Tommy Fury, and I can't remember the other guy's name right now, but. Um, the, they backed out. Uh, I still want to see that Tommy Fury fight. Uh, I don't. I'm honestly think Tommy Fury may be a little scared. I don't know why he should be, but uh, we'll see about that. If that ever happens. But um, also, Jake Paul, stop calling out all these fucking world champions. I mean, it's ridiculous at this point. If you get in the ring with one of those world champions at this point, you're gonna get your ass kicked. I mean, after watching that fight, he's still not that good. <laughs> I gave him a little credit um, last episode because his hand speed had gotten better, his footwork had gotten better. Um, but if he gets in the fight into a ring with a real fighter, uh, it's not going to look good. Um, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no, nah, that's facts. And the thing that annoys me is that there's all this talk about, oh, Drake Paul is improving. He's going crazy in the gym and shit like that. Like, he's taking a step up compared to the rest of his YouTube boxing contemporaries. Congrats. But there's no step up in the competition, no, though. No, none at all. Honestly, just a step up in the clout. Which is good and all. Like he's getting the bag from this. Uh, credit where it's due there. But like, don't talk like you a legend in the sport or some shit like that when you haven't even fought a boxer. Like, oh my calling god, out, calling out Canelo after he's a what four division champ, uh, one of the best fighters in this generation. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's crazy, dude. It's crazy. And the shit that it's like, it seems just it's so forced with Jake. Like it doesn't even come off as trolling because it it, it sounds like he's serious. like he's serious he can't about even, it. Like, convincing himself as he's speaking. Uh, I don't know. Jake Paul, hurry up and face a boxer so I can see you get knocked out, please. 
No, for real. I mean, it's, it's not even on some hating it. shit, but like, I don't fucking, I don't fucking. He just needs to get humbled, honestly, because I mean, it's gonna happen here one day soon. He's gonna run into a real fighter, a real boxer. Uh, I mean, don't don't get us wrong. Anderson Silva's an MMA legend, but it's MMA still. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different aspects in MMA to boxing. Anderson mm-hmm. Silva isn't a boxer. And when it comes to MMA, he was he was pretty good at boxing, but he could grapple. He could do a lot of other things. He could kick. He was really good kickboxer. That's the thing with him. When it comes and to even boxing, then, no, go ahead. Even then, uh, the striking in MMA is just different as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, just having to make that adjustment. Uh, striking and boxing, most of the time, it's a lot shorter, uh, more mm-hmm. compact. That's that's a whole different adjustment. So, I'm I'm a, I'm 100 with this point you're making right now. Yeah, and time will tell. Time is going to tell. Once he gets in there with a real boxer, we're going to see what he's really made of, and I'm looking forward to it. Don't know who he's going to fight next. Um, I mean, he's called out a bunch of people. Um, Some of them are not realistic at all. Um, Some of them might be, but we'll be seeing that. But moving on to another uh, MMA legend that was on this card, fighting in his pro debut against Le'Veon Bell and defeated him too, uh, Uriah Hall. Um, Looked honestly pretty good um he uh won every single round um i really didn't pay too much attention to this fight to be honest but um Le'Veon bell did get a pretty good knockdown in the or not knockdown but a pretty good shot in the third round on hall but ended up losing the round ended up losing the fight but uh be pretty interesting to see where both of these guys move forward um Le'Veon bell's 0-1 now wants to continue his professional boxing career i'm pretty sure but We'll see about that. Yeah. Um, and to continue on to the Jake Paul shit talk, Le'Veon Bell fighting an MMA fighter. This is his first pro fight. Honestly, that's a little more justified. Le'Veon Bell, I, he's definitely going to face a boxer before Jake Paul is. Oh, 100%. He, Uriah Hall is probably a better boxer than Anderson Silva, not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's dope to see Le'Veon Bell in the ring. Uh, switched up the football career, uh, taking his, his step into boxing. Uh, I want to see how it plays out. I don't think too much is going to come from it, but you know he might he might be some interesting. He might be on some interesting uh, cards in the future. You know, pulling a little bit of that bread. Let's see what he does in this boxing career. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm excited to see what he's got for us and uh maybe he can pull out some wins here in the next few fights but to move on to the fight for this weekend that we would like to preview this is a dazzling card and we have dimitri bevel fighting gilberto ramirez this is 12 rounds for the wba light heavyweight title and this is going to be a pretty interesting fight to be honest uh we all know what bevel did in his last fight against canelo um, and Gilberto Ramirez, 44-0 with 30 knockouts. I wouldn't say he's a knockout artist, but most of his wins have come by knockout, and it's going to be an interesting fight. Christian, what do you think about this off the top of your head? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting matchup. Um, one that I definitely favor Bivolin, to be honest with you, but this would be a nice, solid name for his resume, uh, for an already solid resume, but Gilberto Ramirez, A.K.A. Zerto, he is a solid fighter in himself for sure. A solid record, even though I mentioned this earlier about uh, Karen Elizabeth. A bit padded, 
bit fluffed up. Um, even then, you know, this is going to be a huge test for him. If he can actually step up and beat Dimitri Bivol, uh, I think that'll shoot him up in uh, just people's perspective on him. But, yeah, I don't really see that happening. Bivol, we know what Bivol was on. He is He's like that. Honestly, the only fight I'm really debating about if Bivol would win, uh, that's against Better Biev. Outside of that, I don't think anybody messing with Bivol around his weight class. No, I agree with you 100% on that. Um, Bivol, I mean, we, we saw what he did in his last fight against Canelo. Like I said earlier, looked absolutely dominant. His defense was perfect. Um, the punches, I mean, timed were perfect. Um, he did everything he needed to do to beat Canelo. And Gilberto Ramirez is definitely not on the same level as Canelo. So mm-hmm. that probably means Dimitri Bivol is going to win this pretty easily in my eyes. Um, I think that he's going to just box him down. He's going to pick when he wants to punch. Um, his defense is going to be perfect probably again because that's just how he is as a boxer. And this is probably going to go to a decision. Um, I definitely think this is going to go all 12 rounds too. Um, and it's going to be a nice little de- decision for Dimitri Bivol. May get a knockdown here. May get a knockdown in this fight. I definitely can see it, but I'm going with the decision. I can't see anything else but a decision in this, to be honest with you. Because to uh, Zerto's credit, he is very sturdy. Uh, this dude comes in damn near 200 pounds in a 175 limit fight. He is the rehydration king. So I'm expecting a big motherfucker would be the only person to take, be able to take him out. And Bivol, he doesn't really rehydrate anything crazy like that. So I just think Zerto is about to get styled on uh, for a nice wide decision for Dimitri Bivol. Yeah, I can see that too. Um, like I said with the decision, um, I don't think it's going to be close either. Um, this is probably going to be a pretty wide margin, probably by like, I don't know, nine rounds maybe. <laughs> um, that's just how good Bevel is. Um, and no discredit to Gilbert de Ramirez. Dude is good, no slouch, but this, this is just all respect to Bevel right now. It's just how good I think he is. Yeah, I'm just I'm glad to see Bevel getting back into the ring. Uh it's been some time now, but he's coming off of a career-defining win. Um, honestly, uh, I feel like he was slept on before, but it was a win that put him on the map. Uh, people know what Bivol is on, and looking forward to seeing it this weekend. And that does it for another episode of the All It Takes No Whips podcast. We had another great episode lined up this week, and we will next week. But before we get out of here, Make sure y'all like, make sure y'all subscribe, and make sure y'all turn on notifications to know that when we post new videos. And also, if y'all want, y'all can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, anywhere we're on social media at ATNW Podcast. And you can also follow mine at ahendy2215. And if you want, you can find my personal Twitter and Instagram at Christian underscore S52. I'm looking forward to this Bivol fight this weekend, and we'll catch you guys next episode. Peace. Peace.